Remain standing, please. Take your Bibles and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. That'll be page 1233 if you have a Schofield Bible this morning. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm glad I'm under the blood this morning. Second Corinthians chapter 4, one verse, verse 18 this morning. Second Corinthians 4, verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Let's read that one more time. Let's read this together. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You can be seated. It is our great privilege to have Brother Williamson and his dear wife, Terry, and Ronnie and Terry Williamson. He, he publishes A Voice in the Wilderness, they, there are no strangers around here, and I'm going to invite him to come on up and lead us to the throne of grace. Amen. Come on up, brother. We, we appreciate these folks. I told them, someone said, we got visitors. I said, no, they're just family. Amen. Amen. And uh, praise God, you've got the same father. We're part of the family. Amen. All right, at least throne Pastor Father, we thank you for yes. the privilege again to be in your house, to assemble ourselves oh, together. Oh, yes. Lord, we pray that you receive the honor and glory and praise from everything. We love you. Thank you for loving us. And, uh, Lord, we, uh, we thank you for those 32 precious souls that came in on buses today. Yes. And may eternal things be revealed to them. May our hearts be receptive. Anoint your pastor as he comes and preaches the word of God. May uh, the precious Holy Spirit visit down these aisles and touch every heart and life and May there be eternal results from each of us as we believe you and walk from this place into a dark and dying world and share the light and glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. We wait on you now and we'll give you the praise and glory for everything you do today in our hearts and lives. We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. In Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, brother. Amen. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter number 4. If you've got your Bibles there, I pray you'll leave them open there. First dozen verses of this fourth chapter reveals to us that we have a treasure in earthen vessels. And I love this. My, even though there are earthen vessels, praise God, what a treasure. It's not the earthen vessel that becomes important, but it is the treasure that is in those earthen vessels. But then the Apostle Paul moves into an arena and an area. And it is one of those few times where the Apostle lifts the covers, if you will, of his heart. And we get to see something much more than what I'd like to call surface Christianity. If you're here this morning saved by the grace of God, hallelujah. Praise God for that. Glad God saves old sinners. 
But one of the goals that's in my heart this next year is that God would mature us, would grow us. And one of the areas that we need to mature in is in this area that the apostle talks about. I've gotten enough calls this week and enough text to assure you God has the message that we all need to hear today. It's not about who's number one. It's not about the greatest or the richest, strongest or the most popular. But as our dear brother said, it is about a life of purpose that glorifies and honors God. Nothing greater, nothing greater that we can do with our life than that which glorifies Him. And when we come to the end of this thing, that He's honored and glorified. Well, the question begs, how do we do that? And this morning's a very practical message, and I've titled this, Seeing Him Who is Invisible. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal. But praise God. But the things which are not seen are eternal. This morning, if you can move from the arena of the temporal and how you look at life, how you see life, And if you can move into the eternal realm and see that which is invisible, it can literally change your life. Truth of the matter is, you say, preacher, that's that's plumb crazy. You can't see the invisible. We encounter the invisible every day. How many of you have ever seen the wind? You can't reach out and latch hold on to it. We see the results of the wind, but you don't see the wind. We don't see, we we literally deal with the invisible every day. Sound, how many of you have seen the sound waves that comes through the air? You are, I'm speaking, not very good, but I'm speaking And your ears are hearing. How many of you see the sound waves that are moving through the air? We deal in the invisible all the time. And the, the truth is, it's there. We just can't see it with the naked eye. Paul said this. Romans 1.20, For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that we are without excuse. God said this, you can look around to the invisible things of our world. We don't know how they were created, how they happened, but God said, 
You're without excuse. And all of us are. But Paul said here, he said, uh, we look on things that are not seen. Those et- seeing him who is invisible. First of all, I see in this passage, and I'm not going to be very bombastic. I'm, I'm a little croupy and got the snorts, but I'll be okay. If you can, I can handle it if you can handle listening to my voice. I do apologize. It's not very good this morning. First of all, I see the problems of the believer. Listen to what he said in verse number 8. He said, we're troubled on every side. He goes on to say, we are perplexed. Then he goes on to say, we're persecuted. The word troubled on every side has ideal of pressure. It means to squeeze something. Oh, many of you this week have gotten word that's been troubling. And it's squeezing you a little bit. Has the idea of pressure that's been put in. It's being compressed, if you will. He's describing a, a, a crushing or a pressing. It, it has the idea <coughs> on when they would do the grapes, they would, they would crush the grapes to get the juice out of them. Has that kind of idea. He went on to say, not only are we pressured and we're, 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 we're troubled on every, notice every side. I, I, you say, preacher, I, 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 where do you get that? Watch five minutes of news, amen? All you got to do is watch five minutes of the news. We're perplexed. It means without resources. Has ideal of, of wanting. Being in a place of, of needing something. Need, wanting something. Has ideal of not having enough resources to fill the need. How many could say amen to that one? Amen. He went on to say... Uh, Paul said that he was perplexed, meaning resources were out. I I love this story in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and verse 12. One of the greatest stories that that I've ever read. Jehoshaphat is surrounded by Syria and he's prayed and fasted. And he comes and he he prays this prayer. He says, Oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this company that cometh against us, neither know we what to do. But our eyes are upon thee. Hallelujah. I like that verse. Then he said we're pressured, we're, we're, we're perplexed, but then he said we're being persecuted. It means to, to make to run or to put to flight. It means to mistreat. Paul was no stranger to somebody trying to hurt him. And I truly believe this. I believe we're entering a day that uh, we may have never seen. I, I said this the other week. For the most part, we don't know what persecution is. But you don't go too far into some of the third world countries to where literally they're giving their life for the cause of Christ. While you and I sit on a church pew 
And we complain because somebody didn't smile at us. Somebody didn't shake her hand or somebody, somebody didn't, we, 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 we complain about the, the most childish and immature things. Why those, those, right now, there's Christians that if they stand fast or true to the Word of God, and they will, it'll cost them their head before dark. Don't miss this. We may see some of that persecution before we get out of here. You say, preacher, you believe we'll go through the tribulation? No, I don't. Hallelujah. Praise God, I'm not hanging around for that. But I'll tell you this much. I do believe in my heart we're going to see some persecution that's going to get God's people to say, Lord, are you going to come today? See, we're not looking for Him. We're not expecting Him. We might get to the place that God upsets our, our comfort zones. Is that a good word? Comfort zone? Oh, I'm, I'm amazed. And, oh, dear. Boy, I, I, I also believe this. And, and I truly believe that we're entering a day, this half-hearted, half-hearted, up and down and cold and hot Christianity is just not going to get it done. I, I, need you to, I need you to really hear me. This half-hearted stuff of coming to church when we feel like it, not coming when we don't, selling out to the world, selling out to this, it's not going to get it done. But it's going to be a Christianity. Paul said, Jeremiah 12, 5, the old prophet Jeremiah said this. This verse has so challenged my heart down through the years. If thou hast run with footmen, and they have wearied thee. Then how canst thou contend with the horses? And if in the land of peace, wherein thou trustest, they weary thee, how wilt thou do when the swelling of the Jordan? Here's what he's just saying. If you're struggling to get to the house of God Sunday night, Wednesday night, and Sunday morning, what are you going to do when the real trial comes? What are you going to do when the real trial comes? What are you going to turn to? What are you going to look to when the real trial comes? When this crowd says, if you're a Christian, you're going to have to take a stand. See, I, I fear now it will roll over for anything now. What makes you think you're going to take a stand when it costs you something? Interesting, isn't it? The Bible says in Matthew 16, 24, Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Cross bearing's never been easy. Never been easy. I believe that's the reason many get never get faithful, never get settled because... Sometimes, praise God, just sometimes, we can be honest, just sometimes serving God is just serving God. Nothing much easy about it. Nothing much easy about it. Paul talked about this. And then I love this. And as a matter of fact, if I was, if I was reading this story here, and uh, uh, Paul said, you know, I, I'm troubled on every side. He said, I'm perplexed. I'm, I'm being persecuted. 
If you, you can't handle somebody mocking you a little bit on the job or in school, then don't kid yourself. You're not going to stand for nothing else. Are you listening? Are you listening? If you set up God now for just about nothing, when the real test comes and you've got to be real, you'll buckle. Paul said, I'm perplexed. I see the trouble. I see the trouble that Christians, that other believers, not only that, but I see the promise of the believers. Now Paul moves us into a realm of the believer that's a little out of our ordinary. And this is where I want us, some of us to get here to, this morning. This is where, with the help of God, that I believe we all, all of us in our church this morning would move to. And that is the promise of the believer. I see the problems of the believer. He said, man, we're just, we're, we're, we're pressured, troubled on every side. We're perplexed. We're, we're, we're persecuted. But then notice the promises. I love this. He said, we're troubled. We're pressured on every side. But he said, we're not distressing. Amen. I love that. Paul said, that he said, I'm not distressed. Here's, here's the ideal. The ideal is this. The pressure's coming, but I ain't collapsing. Did you hear me? Now you're going to have to help me this morning. My voice is terrible. You're going to have to help me. Because I can't holler to wake you up. He said, I'm pressured, but I'm not collapsing. I'm not distracted. I'm not, I'm not caving in. He said, I'm not caving in. I, I love that. I love that. He said, they're, they're compressing me on every side. But I'm going to tell you something. I ain't collapsing. I ain't crushing. I ain't, I ain't giving up. Bless God, I ain't quitting. Hallelujah. But I don't care what else is going on today. And by the way, can I help some of you? Can I help some of you? This is good preaching. And some of you need to hear this. Why we quit selling God's day out? God give you six other days to do everything you need to do. Bless God, I don't care what it is. I don't care what it is. Let's quit selling out God's day. Because the time will come when the, the pressure's coming. I, as a story, there was a nuclear submarine. It was called the Thresher. It had a heavy steel bulkhead and a heavy steel armor. And it could dive deep, I mean tremendously. 1963, it took a, a, a test run. But the engine quit. And it couldn't get back to the surface. And because the engine quit, it just kept sinking and sinking. And later on, they sent a Navy research vehicle down there that was stronger than a submarine. They went down 8,400 feet in the ocean. My goodness, that, that's, a, that, that's a tremendous. And when they found it, this humongous Thresher submarine, they said wasn't much bigger than an egg. It had so crumpled it in the pressure. 129 people lost their lives. 
You know why? Because of the pressure. And now, here's what was surprising to them. Not that. But while they was down there researching this vessel, now it's, it may not help you, but it sure helps me. And if I had the voice, I might just have me a shouting fit. But I don't have the voice, so just hang on. They noticed fish swimming all around it. And their skin was paper thin. And they was in the same pressure that that humongous submarine was. And here's, here's why the fish could survive the pressure and the submarine couldn't. The pressure on the inside of the fish was as great as the pressure on the outside of the fish. And because the pressure was on the inside of the fish was the same as the pressure on the outside of the fish, it didn't affect it whatsoever. Greater, greater is he that's in me than he that's in this world. Some of you this week got news. Uh, I mean, I've gotten texts. I've gotten calls. I, I've, I've heard from all of Some of you got news that's been, boy, the pressure is just wanting to crush you on the inside, can, on the outside. But can I ask you this? What's on the inside? Is the pressure on the inside greater than the pressure that's on the outside? You know why so many of God's people or on Xanax and Prozac and flipping, I mean, just going out of their minds. You know why that is? Because the pre- what they got on the inside, they've not seen Him who is invisible. They don't have the faith on the inside that says that God is greater than that which is on the outside. So they fear that which is on the outside. And the pressure is caving the world in. What you need is this. Let me help you. This preacher, Brother Williamson, he might be able to, but this preacher can. I surrender. I can't fix this world. Amen. I can't fix what's going on. Can, can I help some of you? I love you dearly. You're my people, my folks. But I can't change some of the reports you got. I wish I could. I wish I could. I, I can't change some of the things that's going on in your world. But I can tell you this. There's somebody on the inside that if you start looking to Him, you don't. can you see Him that's on the inside? Can you see it in my, and no, it's invisible to you. But I tell you, if you can see him who is invisible, if he's on the inside greater than he's on the outside, I'm not going to tell you the pressure's going to stop. I'm telling you, this crazy president, we got's going to increase it before he gets out of office. I may as well just go ahead and blow, blow it. That's the most foolish man we've ever had in office in in the history of our country. His his mentality is warped. 
It doesn't work. Doesn't work. This, this, oh, I, I just, but I'm not even going to go there. This Obamacare, Affordable Care Act, I can't help myself. I gotta go that a little bit. Affordable Care Act, there ain't nothing affordable about it. All it's done is crashing everybody around them. Read articles this week. Senior citizens said, yeah, we got the insurance, but we still can't go to the doctor. We can't afford the deductibles. How smart is that? Anyhow, what I'm trying to get you to see is this. You, you're not going to change that. But I'll tell you what you can change. You can start saying, okay, what's inside my heart? You can get excited about the God. You can start looking to Him. You can start trusting Him. You can start believing Him. I, I hate to tell you this, but I, I got a God. He's bigger than the economy. Hallelujah. I got a God that's bigger than the government. Someone said, who's the next president? And I, I, I know who it is. Would you like to know? It is the one that God allows in office. That's the one. And you know what? I don't, may not like it, but if God wants him in office, he'll put him in there. You say, why? Because the God I serve and the pressure, promises of the believer. He said, we're troubled on every side, but I'm not crashing in. I'm not crashing in. Many today are crashing. First John 4, 4. You're of God, little children, and I've overcome them because greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. I, I went and seen Miss Sandra. Well, what a blessing that dear old sinner God was. Let, let me tell you. Let me tell you what I'm... That's the best example I can give you this. She's, she's there. Hospice has done... Gave notice. She's got a few hours. We go to her bedside. She looks at us. And she says... I reckon I'll be going to heaven in a little while. Amen. That's what she said. Yes. And in the next words, but God is so good. Yes. But God is so good. You, 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 know, you know where you get that? You get that with the God, the sin that which is un, invisible. The God in her heart. And you know what Jesus is saying? She said, if they touch me and I get better, it's going to be all right. But preacher, I want you to know, if they don't, I'm still going to be all right. As a matter of fact, I don't know if she's been better than she is right now. Oh, I want you to know this morning, we need to understand. Some of us are seeing all our sins this way. And, 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 and we're fussing and we're fighting and we're, and, and we're mean and junkyard dogs sometimes. And we're worried and we're, we're complaining. We're fretful. All about seeing what's seen. But when are you going to start seeing that which is invisible? He said, we're troubled, we're pressured. I love this. He said, we're perplexed, which means to be confused. But here's what he said. He said, I'm not confounded. Here's what he's saying. He said, I'm not befuddled. means to be confounded. Here's what he's just saying. He's just saying, I'm perplexed about some things. But you know what? He said, I'm not going to despair. You know what the Apostle Paul said? Here's what the Apostle Paul said. I, I look around me and I ought to have me a pity party, but I'm just not going to do that. I'm just going to go about doing something for God. 
I'm not, I'm not going to have a pity. I'm not going to. I, I, it's not a total loss. Here's what he's just saying. He's saying, he said, I, I, I might get to wit's end, but I know the way out. He said, I might be on the brink of defeat, but I'm not defeated. And, and the reason he could do that, he's, the reason he could do that, he said, I refuse to be overwhelmed by what I can see because I've seen the invisible. I've seen my God. I've seen how he provides. How, how many of you sometimes finances get struggling and 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 now, now we can be honest. It's just nobody else. Now, now Brother Williams, your family now, so you're not you. You just join us. Your family, Amen. And, and he's a friend. I, I just love these folks. I, I'm just thrilled. Every time they come through, they stop. That's a, that's amazing, Amen. And I just appreciate that so much. But we're just friends. How many of you? You get finances, you start getting tired, and you start getting mean on the junkyard dog. You start fussing and fighting and complaining and, and, and running. And, and, and you know what? The first thing, now listen to me. I, I need to help you. The first thing, now, I said, lay your halo off, take your halo off and put it, take your gold wings off and put them down. Join the rest of us. Nobody here but us. It's at that moment the devil says, bless God, you quit tired and you get better off. I'm going to tell you something. He's a liar. You will sink yourself. Let me help you. That ain't the time to quit. Years ago, Tom Gillum, I heard Tom Gillum preach this. And uh, I'm just going to tell you the story. He, uh, he, he was just, he's up against it. And he said, they just didn't have no way out. And he was just a Praying and complaining to God. How many of you know what praying and complaining to God is all at the same time? Yeah. And uh, he's praying and complaining to God about some things. And he said, God, we ain't got no way out. And he said, while I was down there, he said, God just whispered in my heart. He said, he said Tom, what I'd like for you to do is give yourself out of this problem. And he said, now, God didn't speak verbally, you know, but in his heart. And if you know what God I'm talking about, you'll understand that. Some of you ain't never heard God before. You ain't going to know. But if you've ever heard God speak, you know, you don't have to have an audible voice. And he said, God, that's the craziest thing I've heard in my life. He said, you, you, maybe you missed a report. I told you, we ain't got enough money. And now you're telling me to give myself out of this? He said, Yeah. And he said that evening, God put somebody's heart. And he said they was up against it, didn't know how in God's name. But he said, you know what? I just believed God. I couldn't explain it. I couldn't tell you how we was going to. But he said, I gave ourselves. And he said, I, I stand amazed that God just showed up and done things in our lives. You know what he's just saying? He said, I've been perplexed, confused at times, but never confounded. And the reason why he said I could do that, because he said, I want you to know, I know the God that I serve. I love this. King George the Sixth of England. 
addressed the British Commonwealth on a New Year's Eve at a moment in history when the whole world stood at the brink of uncertainty. Man, are we not there? Despondency and uncertainty filled the air. You could say it was a time of great perplexity. And I, I'm just here every week. But if I, I don't know if I've ever seen a day when I see so much perplexity across our country and across our land. The king's own body was racked by cancer. Before the year was over, he would end in death. Unaware, though, of his own physical ailments, he uttered these these memorable words. Listen, I said, I said to the man at the gate of the year, give me a light that I might walk safely into the unknown. And he said unto me, go out in the darkness and put your hand in the hand of God and it shall be safer to you than the light and better than the known. Oh my goodness. Did you hear that? I said to the man at the gate, Give me a light that I might walk safely into the unknown. And he said, Go out into the darkness, put your hand in the hand of God, and it shall be to you safer than the light and better than the known. What a promise. What I'm saying to you is, you're not going to change our world. But this morning, maybe afresh and anew, you need to put your hand in his hand and see that which is invisible. Not only that, he said, I'm persecuted, but I'm not forsaken. Has ideally been harassed, but not helpless. And Paul made it clear. He said, I've never been forsaken. Joan of Arc said that she was abandoned by those who stood by her. Here's why she said, it's better to be alone with God. His friendship will not fail me, nor his counsel, nor his love. And in his strength, I will dare and dare and dare until I die. Psalmist said it this way, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. And thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Paul saying, I'm problems all believers have. There's no exception to these things. But the promise that he gives us is, yeah, I'm, I'm pressured, but I'm not collapsing. I'm perplexed, but I'm, I'm not despairing. I'm persecuted, but I'm not forsaken. We're not going to stop the persecution. We may, may even get worse. John Cumbers served in Ethiopia during the communist years. And um, they were going to be executed for their treasonous words. And um, the only way they could overturn the sentence is for you to deny the one 
that you believe. Here's what they said. You denied Jesus and will not persecute you, will not execute you. While he was awaiting his trial, him and his prisoners got to thinking about heaven that they was going to be before, before nightfall, before morning. They would be in heaven. They started rejoicing and singing. One of the guards got so angry, literally, I mean, yelling at him, And he said, before morning, I'll take and unload my pistol into your head. That night, that night, a tremendous storm came up. Huge hailstorms fell. And as they began to fall, the guards become terrified at what was going on outside. And in his terror, the guard shot randomly into the ceiling because it sounded like multitudes were coming in. He shot randomly till he unloaded all the bullets in his gun. Other people were yelling. Finally, nine o'clock the next morning, same guard pushed in her cell. But hold it. He wasn't in uniform. He was in prison clothes. Here's what happened. The chief guards heard what he had said. And they said, because you threatened God, he unleashed his judgment on us. So now you face his same judgment. Shoved him into the prison with the prisoners. But instead of their anger... They led this man to come to know Jesus Christ. Here he is, he was pressured, squeezed, but not squashed. Perplexed, confused, but not confounded. Persecuted, harassed, but not helpless. In Salt Rock Baptist Church, this is a Christianity that you and I need to get a hold of. I'm through, I mean, you're saved beyond a shadow of a doubt. Hallelujah. Can I say, praise God, it's good to be saved. But I'm going to be honest with you. Just the fact you're going to heaven, you need, some, you need more than that right now. We need to see Him who is invisible. I see here the problems of the believers. I see the promise of the believers. But notice the purpose of the believer. First, Second Corinthians four twelve. So then, death worketh in us, but life in you. He said, "I love this." He said, "I want you to receive the grace of God, for all things are for your sakes." Hey, listen, listen, listen. That that broke your heart and brought tears. For all things are for your sakes. That the abundant grace might through thanksgiving of many 
redound to the glory of God. Preacher, I just don't understand why what happened happened. It might be God wants to reveal His grace to you. That great unmerited favor. And the only way you can see that is through the trial and the persecution. He said, I want you to receive the grace of God. Not only that, but the receiving of the glory of God. Paul said that many may redound. The word redound means a fixed number of measure. It has ideal to be left over and above a certain number to overflow. Here's what God is saying. God is saying this is a Christianity that when you are pressured, when you're perplexed, when you're persecuted, if you see Him who is invisible, He said, I'm going to give you a grace and the glory of God will overflow in people around you seeing what God is doing for you. There's a lost world. And this is what they're looking for. They've heard us say, boy, I sure do love Jesus. Boy, I tell you, I love Jesus. But then when the first stump comes, when the first problem comes, when the first issue comes, when the first trial comes, they hear you cuss, fuss, scream, and they look at that and they say, hmm, what's wrong with that picture? You tried to get me to come to church. You tried to tell me about your Savior. You tried. I, I, I just, I, I'll be honest with you. Them nurses that come in and saw Miss Sandra just the other day, they couldn't get around that. Her looking and said, I'm going to heaven in a little while. But I sure got a good God. I, I don't care who you are. I, I walked out to the hallway. I said, my soul in heaven. If she knew that, how much more I ought to be a praising God for what he's done for me. You're the realness of what you got is going to be on display for a lost and a dying world. How, how many of you, how many of you got children that if they died right now, you're not real sure they go to heaven? Them youngers are watching you. They're watching you. They're watching the, the way you act. They're watching how you act. They're, they're, they're watching how you respond to things. Hey, hey, Grandpa. Hey, Papa. Mamma. These, these grandkids are watching us. They're watching how we respond to things. How do we react to things? How, 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 what, they're, they're watching on, on, on how we, they're looking, here's what they're looking for. They're looking for that which we've told them is real. And guess what? They got a right to look at that and see if it's real. When they walk you, when they watch us walk around complaining and our chin in our shorts, you know what the stupidest thing parents can do is go home and badmouth the preacher, badmouth the church, and, and gut the sons. That's the most foolish thing you can do in your life because there's little ears are listening, and one day they'll hate church because of that junk. What you ought to be doing is saying, Did you hear what the preacher said? 
But more than that, we ought to be going home and saying, I need to put that in practice. I've complained enough. Amen. Have we all not complained enough? Well, I need to put that in practice. When I'm, when I'm facing hell by the truckload, I need to be putting in practice that I'm seeing him who is invisible. Comes on, he says, in a reception of the glory of God. And don't miss this. Only a sovereign God can put that kind of trust in a person's heart. Only a sovereign. Then it reveals the great focus of the believer. Now, I want you to listen. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. How can we do that? How can I do that while we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen? If all your, if your contentment Wake up now. If your contentment, if you'll look at me, I'll stop beating the pulpit. If your contentment is gauged on what you can see with these two eyes, you will never be contented. But if you can see past all of that and see that which is unseen, then you can find great contentment in life. If it's always there, it'll never be enough. Never be a big enough house. Never be a nice enough car. Never have enough money. Never have enough toys. You'll never, you'll be contented, discontented because your focus is on that which you can see, not on that which you can't see. But you say, but preacher, now that's contradictory. You're talking about wanting to build a building. No, what you don't understand is, yeah, we're talking about building another, we're, we're praying about another building, but that's for the 50 bus kids I want to bring I gotta have somewhere to stick him, youngins. And right now, every Sunday school class is about to bust at the seams. So I need to build a building to stick the kids in. I not just have another building. I got a purpose in it. I'm, I'm, I, we need another building for the other fifty bus kids and other families that God must add. So, the great focus of the believer this morning. If I cannot get you from off of what's seen, then everything, you know what you're going to be up? Woo! Hallelujah! Oh, this is so bad. Up and down. Up and down. Up and down. The Apostle Paul said, I've been full. He said, I've been starving. He said, but I've learned to be content. How did he do that? By looking on things which are not seen. 
For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Looking at that which is invisible. Let's all stand our feet.